0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter, and we've got a double header today. First, we're going to talk about the effort to get a bipartisan deal to raise the debt limit and set new spending caps for the coming two years. And for that, we have Jennifer Schutt, who covers appropriations for CQ. Thanks for being here again, Jen.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And then we're going to talk about a fuel tax credit that ran amok and that now may cost taxpayers billions more dollars than was anticipated. And for that, we have Doug Sword, CQ's tax policy reporter here, to explain all that. Thanks for being here, Doug. Hi, David. Let's begin with the latest on the effort to avoid a fiscal crisis this fall, when the new fiscal year begins and the debt ceiling must get raised to avoid a default. Negotiations have been picking up steam in recent days after months of stalemate. So Jen, what's behind this new momentum for talks?
1: So one of the key things that happened last week is that the Bipartisan Policy Center put out a new estimate for when default would take place with respect to the debt limit that is sometimes referred to as the X date. Essentially, that is when the Treasury Department can no longer use the extraordinary measures that it has been using since the debt limit suspension expired on March 1st to continue paying the government's bills. That would be a very big issue. And one of the things that was sort of happened last week is that the Bipartisan Policy Center said that they believe that X date would be in early or mid-September. And since Congress is not scheduled to return from their August recess until September 9th, there was the possibility raised that the country could approach default while Congress is out of Washington, D.C., and so that increased pressure on the Trump administration and congressional leaders to really start negotiating out this this debt limit proposal, and it is, of course, closely tied by members of both parties to spending caps negotiations, and those spending caps negotiations are needed to avoid a 125000000000 billion drop-off in discretionary spending for fiscal 2020.
0: Yep. Yeah. And the Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, reinforced that sense of urgency last week, too, right?
1: Right. He sent a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat of California, saying that one of the scenarios um, with respect to the X date and when the country could potentially default would be before members of Congress return from that August break. And so he is urging members of Congress to increase... Um, or to address the debt limit before they leave town for the August recess.
0: Which leaves very little time, right? How much time do they have?
1: Two weeks total and about, from this Monday, eight combined legislative days.
0: Not very much time at all for a last-minute, complicated, comprehensive deal that that, that they're looking to do, they want to do.
1: Well, addressing the debt limit and addressing the spending caps really isn't as complicated as negotiating out the spending levels and the policy in the 12 annual spending bills. There, we've had three of these two-year agreements since that 2011 deficit reduction law went into effect. So this is something that members of Congress are relatively well-versed in. Everyone knows each other's negotiating points. They have reached a two-year agreement, like I said, three times before. Um, they've and done so- it before,
0: but it always seems to be in times of crisis or at the last minute.
1: Yeah, but we're at the last minute.
0: Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the spending negotiations, I mean, they, they've, we've, they've been locked the two parties at, at loggerheads here for months and there's still about a hundred billion dollar difference between the what the Democrats want and what and what the White House has wanted.
1: Well That depends on what's happening with respect to the debt limit negotiations as well. Like these things are all interconnected. And so we know that House Democrats did put out that deeming resolution setting their top lines for fiscal 2020. Uh, Senate Republicans have not followed suit. They really want to wait until there is a universal agreement between congressional leaders and the Trump administration on actual spending caps before heading Heading down the road with that, but I think everyone sort of understands right now that the adults are sort of negotiating and that I don't think it'll be particularly difficult for them to get an agreement if they want to get an agreement.
0: And what's what's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's position now on raising the debt limit?
1: She supports it. I think everyone (laughs) supports it. I don't think there's anyone in Congress who wants to default. If that's what you're asking,
0: right? Okay, but she does support it, but she wants to tie it to these to, to new spending caps.
1: Yeah, but Speaker Nancy Pelosi is not the only member of Congress who wants to connect the spending caps debate with the debt limit debate. We've heard early on from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell who is a Republican, of course, and Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby, who is also a Republican, that they really want the spending caps and the debt limit negotiations to go hand in hand and be on the same legislative vehicle. So it's not really a Democrats versus Republican issue.
0: Okay. I think we have a little of Nancy Pelosi speaking to the need to raise the debt limit. Let's listen to that for a minute.
2: We don't want any there to be any doubt about the full faith and credit of the United States of America. The Constitution guarantees that, and, and we have always have supported that. Hey, can I ask a question? Um, I think the bipartisan policy center said that they may run out of money uh, before coming back in September, but uh, I think the odds are that they won't. Would they play chicken with that at all?
1: I don't think so. One of the really important things to remember about uh, the potential of the United States defaulting on the debt is that would impact not only U.S. markets in a very large way, but world markets and what could potentially be a catastrophic way. This is something that has not happened in the United States since approximately the War of 1812. Uh, Defaulting on the debt limit is, is very significantly different than a partial government shutdown, which is something that the country and the federal government go through on a somewhat regular basis for the past few years. And so as you begin to approach the X date or sort of um, when everyone expects the, the, the government would run out of money to pay all of its bills every day, uh, the markets react in a very negative way. And it sort of has a cascading effect on the economy, which I think is something everyone wants to avoid.
2: I think even the hints of that happening back in, what, 2011 was that that Standard & Poor's downgraded U.S. debt to AA, which had never happened
1: before. Yeah. And no one wants a scenario like that this year especially with the 2020 presidential election in the back of everyone's minds.
0: And of course if they can't reach a deal in the next 2 weeks there's the fallback position of doing another short-term stopgap particularly to uh, suspend the debt limit.
1: Do you mean before leaving for the August Before recess? leaving
0: for the August recess.
1: Yeah, they could do that if they want. They can do pretty much anything that they yeah. want. They just need votes.
0: Okay. So we'll certainly be watching the, the these negotiations and see if they lead anywhere quickly. But in the meantime, Doug, you did some great reporting last week on a tax credit for alternative fuel that could become now an unexpected windfall for oil refiners. And it may cost taxpayers a lot more money than lawmakers ever thought it would. Tell it what is this tax credit, first of all? Uh, Well, first of all,
2: thanks for saying it was great reporting. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, Seconded. Thank you. It's about the alternative fuel mixture tax credit. Is what this issue is about, and you have oil refineries discovered belatedly that they could put in for a tax credit for using butane, mixing it in with gasoline. Now that was something that nobody envisioned when the bill was passed back in two thousand five, when this tax credit first went into effect, and the um, so uh, all it, of a sudden there's a loophole for butane, and they yeah, start it, they start filing claims. Yeah, I mean it's not like we get. It's not like we get filings out of U.S. tax court. They're private. It's not like the IRS puts out this data. But what we're hearing is that somebody in the oil and gas industry figured out that, hey, we could put in for butane here. And they started doing that. And because this was a very little tax credit for a long time. It was like $100 million a year. It, it, and, and it grew over time. It was up to $500 million a year. But then there was a, an estimate last, last November by the Joint Committee on Taxation that uh, kind of jarred everybody because all of a sudden renewing this tax credit for one year was going to cost 7.1 billion, and Ouch. everyone's like, "Wow, where's that coming from?" And, and six and a half of that is coming from this from butane suddenly being on the table. And since then, the estimate has gone up to about 10 billion last month, and then some are saying as high as 18 billion, possibly stretching to 20, which would be a huge oh, budget it's skyrocketing buster. here. Which is a great case study, I guess, in
0: how how uh, innocent tax credits can quickly get out of control and have consequences that nobody ever foresaw
2: when they were first written. Well, and, and th- th- there are some great arguments on both sides. I mean, if you um, – there was an amendment and a markup last month by Representative Kevin Brady from Texas who objected to the fact that there's new tax legislation out there that would retroactively bar the IRS from paying this credit uh, from from past years, not, yeah. not going – we should I say this credit, this, this credit has already expired now, right? This credit went into effect in 2006. It expired with a bunch of other tax credits at the end of 2017. So the issue now is they want to apply for retroactive credit. Yeah, you can go uh, – a refinery puts in quarterly tax return bills, uh, but they can amend those for up to three years. So a couple years ago, apparently, or maybe more, refineries started uh, uh, filing amended tax returns asking for three years' worth of – of butane. butane. And, and as the IRS points out in, in, in a guidance of theirs, every single gallon of gasoline made in the United States has butane in it. <laughs> and so there's a, um, uh, on the one hand, Brady talks about the unfairness of, of retroactively changing the tax code because this should be solved through the courts rather than through Congress. Okay. Yeah, I think we have Kevin Brady, who's the
0: top Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee, the tax writing committee. Speaking to whether this, this credit should be killed retroactively and whether that can be done, let's listen to Brady for
2: a minute. We ought to be concerned about a retroactive tax increase intervening in this dispute and breaking from the precedent that Congress set. I also believe retroactive tax increases are unconstitutional and will invite legal challenge themselves.
0: But on the other hand, Doug, there are lawmakers who want to kill it retroactively,
2: right? Congressman Earl Blumenauer from Oregon. He's a Democrat. He, uh, uh, called it outrageous that, uh, the, that, the oil and gas industry would get a $10 billion windfall from this tax credit, uh, a tax credit that, that he says, uh, that the intention was to reward refineries for using renewable fuels. Butane, I mean, butane's in your cigarette lighter. Butane's not a renewable fuel. It's a, uh, it's a petroleum-based fuel. Okay. And, uh, I think we
0: have Blumenauer, too, speaking to this, uh, the need to kill this retroactive credit. Let's listen to Blumenauer a minute. The companies knew that this credit was contrary to the intent of the law. Your amendment would allow, according to our latest conversations with the IRS, $10 billion in cash to go to oil and gas companies for mixing butane and gasoline together, or in some cases, butane and propane. This is outrageous. So what are the chances here, Doug? Do, is this, do you think this credit will be extended? Do you think they are going to kill it? Is there any way to predict what's going to happen?
2: Well, and this may all fit in with um, the debt limit or the, um, or the caps deal, because uh, uh, House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal has been putting out what he calls markers, bills that uh, could end up in some must-pass legislation but may have a difficult time on their own. And the tax extenders bill probably has the most bipartisan support anywhere. But if they don't include this retroactive closing of the loophole, uh, suddenly the tax extenders package would break uh, Democrat House rules and, and, and they would no longer pay for themselves. It would be an extra $10 billion or so uh, on a bill that, 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 that does pay for itself now. Mm-hmm. but would not pay for it for another t- with another $10 billion tacked on. So that's a problem. So right. this thing might get sidelined. Of course, you know, when you get in, in a year-end bill, uh, paying for it doesn't matter quite as much, does it?
0: Anything could slip in in the closing hours of negotiations. Right. Okay, so we'll be watching for any movement on the tax credit fight and, of course, the spending and debt limit talks. And CQ will be covering it all for you, as usual. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email It's cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Jennifer Shutt, our appropriations reporter, and Doug Sword, our tax reporter, for joining me. Thank you both. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week.